You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So it's uh, all for play for still. I think so. Do you want to bet against us? Hi, villains, and welcome to For the Love of Palmer Grab podcast with your host, Neil Dummert. And as always, we have Paddy Kelly from the Munster Irish Lions Supporters Club with us again today. And I'm just getting straight into it because I'm just really, really excited because we have live football coming up in a matter of hours' time. Uh, we're recording this very, very, very early on a Tuesday morning. Most people are still asleep. Uh, at this stage, so we're doing this under cover of darkness. Well, I say most people are still asleep. My roaring into the microphone has probably woken up my significant daughter inside in the bedroom, so she's probably going to come in here and clout me with something in a moment. But look, it's worth it because football is back. It's back um, on Wednesday. Uh, early to rise to get this podcast done before before our our work engagements. But Paddy, how are you doing today? And how are you all excited about tomorrow? What's your routine going to be for tomorrow's game? Yeah, it's a bit it's a bit like Christmas Eve, isn't it? Um <laughs> <laughs> you're kind of uh you know, with a day's work to put down and I actually have a week off after tomorrow. So uh, oh, nice. I'm looking forward to a few drinks tomorrow night and uh yeah, I'm 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 apprehensive but excited. Um mm. don't know, you know, what 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 way it's gonna pan out with no fans and uh yeah, excitement, apprehensive, uh but the overriding thing is excitement because God knows we need a, a, a bit of villa in our life after, you know, I think even on a on a <laughs> summer break, would we be even this long without discussing even a pre-season friendly or something like that? So mm-hmm. it's been or a while. A juicy um, bit of transfer news like or something like that. Yeah, you know, not even any of that. Keep, yeah, yeah to keep, keep people <laughs> kind of engaged in it. Um, and what's going to be your routine for tomorrow? Are you, I presume, well, I presume you're watching it at home considering we're all locked down. 
Yeah, watching it at home, obviously, there's, we haven't got the luxury of pubs being open like they do in the UK. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll, uh, we'll, myself and Stephen and my better half will no doubt be watching. And um, I've invited one of the lads who doesn't know whether he'll have access to the match, so he might join us. Um, Paddy Hessian from the, the Limerick Lions. So let's uh, let's see how it goes and we'll... Um, yeah, we're we're all excited. <laughs> the jerseys are washed. <laughs> Not that anyone's going to see us in our jerseys locked down, but <laughs> we're yeah. ready to go. I got uh, following on from our conversation about um, about uh, midfielders and, and strikers last uh, last week. Um, I went back and I was looking at a uh, bits and pieces about David Platt, and you know that kind of a half and half jersey. One of them had a kind of a thin kind of pinstripe on one side. Yeah, yeah. It, it was a meter or yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually went away and I ordered that jersey, and it came yesterday. Now I will say I ordered it. And whoever the hell is wearing a large jersey, wherever this came from, made me feel absolutely great about myself. It was huge on me. But I think I'm going to give it an airing out for tomorrow night. Uh, sitting on the couch, I've, uh, as I mentioned, I mightn't get in my way now because I'm probably walking her up next door. But uh, um, the Mrs. For the Love of Paul McGrath podcast is uh, vacating the house for an hour and a half, probably in thunderstorms, but that's not my problem. Um, I've told her that it's my room. And if she doesn't like it, she can start. It's the only way to get in there is to start supporting Villa. So um, I've got the I've got the, the the sitting room cordoned off for the evening. Going to enjoy it and uh, finish up work tomorrow at about half three. So I'll have a nice lead into it. Get dinner in nice and early. In case there's any nerves, don't want to have anything churning around in the stomach. Yeah, got my got my routine down, and and I'm I'm like a child at Christmas. And as you mentioned, I'm really really looking forward to this tomorrow because it could be the start of something absolutely brilliant. It could be start of another ten game run, and why not? We've done it before, you know. It's just so kind of um, is it is is it not a bit serendipitous or a bit kind of coincidental that we went on a ten game winning streak last year to get into the or ten game non losing streak last year to get into the uh, the playoffs and we conveniently have ten games left to, <laughs> to save our season again this year. Something yeah, it, doesn't, it doesn't even have to be ten. I'll settle for four. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Four will do it for me. That just too. might get us out of the shit that we're in. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so the next four games that that are actually scheduled. We go and win the four of them. I think we can uh, we can celebrate being in the Premier yeah. League next year. Like, like if somehow we came out of the next four games with seven or nine points, God, it would be unbelievable. You know, it, it would be uh, it would be fantastic uh, to be able to come out of come out of those games. And look, with Wolves, Newcastle, Sheffield United, Chelsea, I think we po- we could come out with some points. You know, we've got some middling teams there. Wolves might have their like Wolves are looking at the UEFA Cup now, and they're going right. We get our second leg um, in Molyneux, and then what happens is in uh, between the tenth and the twenty first of August, they go and they play almost a tournament atmosphere thing to finish off the Euro- Europa Cup. I don't know. Did you see this? It's really interesting. I no. Oh, I didn't see it actually. I can't remember where they go to. I think it's somewhere like Zurich. And all the teams will be flown there and they will all play over an 11-day period to finish out the, the Europa Cup, the Europa League. Um, that sounds fantastic. It sounds brilliant. <laughs> Absolutely. It, it's it's got to be... It's, it's, it's almost, they're almost treating it kind of like a, a pre-season tournament, I think. Um, hmm. uh, yeah, so, so stuff like that. I might have gotten my dates wrong. 
but uh, that's that's what's in the pipeline. That's what's been what's been spoken about for for how we're so we're years. so far removed from European football. I've, I've zero interest. But yeah, uh, I, I, like I, I was looking at it. that's that's kind of the proposal for my idea for for how the Europa uh, League is going to be, you know, is going to be finished. Um, mm-hmm. But maybe Wolves are looking at that and they're saying, hey, we could have a chance of winning this, and this is how we get into the into the Champions League because to get into the top four positions for them would be difficult enough. I think this year. Um, just with the teams coming back, so maybe they might uh, they might think that this is a better run of it for them, uh, which would be interesting. But uh, yeah, I digress. We, let's not look any further than Wednesday night and what we have in Sheffield United. Um, two storied teams, two historical teams, two teams that that go back to almost the, through the annals of time with regards to to football in in in, uh, in the UK and in England as well. Um, Two of the first teams to play in the uh, in the Premier League as well. I think we all know that players like Brian Dean wasn't he the first goal scorer in the Premier he League? Was. Yeah, United player, and obviously Villa were in were in the, the the league at that stage as well. Um, and you know, two real historic teams. You know, you think of think of great grounds uh, back through the years, and you know, famous and kind of almost iconic grounds. You think of think of Villa Park and its beautiful architecture, and you think of places like Bramall Lane. Uh, as well, you know, so two teams steeped in history and, and a team that, you know, I don't think I could ever say that I would have any dislike for Sheffield United. Um, they've always been probably my favourite, my more favourite of the two Sheffield teams for some reason. No other reason other than, I, I don't know why, I just always kind of tended to migrate towards them. Um, yeah, whenever I agree with you there. The Maybe something teams. got there with the fact that Sheffield Wednesday charges 45 quid to go to an away game for the last few years, so... <laughs> No, yeah. no great love for them. Not that I paid it. I wouldn't pay it. No way in hell would I pay that. It's yeah. Good dilapidated all uh, Hillsborough. No, thank you. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but yeah, and, and like it's 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 a footballing town. Um, it it is an absolutely absolutely great footballing town as well, and um, bigger city than than I think most people would realise, especially on our side of the water. And yeah, absolutely football mad up there, but. Um, Obviously, their fortunes this year have been a lot, uh, a lot better, and, and in almost in direct uh, contrast to where ours have been over the course of the year. And uh, a lot of that will go down, to, I suppose, to you know well-drilled players with a with a manager who had a plan and was able to implement his plan, and had had a lot of stability from last year coming into this year. And Chris Wilder, I think, regardless of what happens this year, I think he's probably going to get manager of the year. Well, he won't probably get it considering yeah. Liverpool are going to win the league. But he, def- he definitely won't be far off the mark anyway, that's for sure. No, he won't. And, and like when I say that we're kind of almost in direct contrast, it's not because of our league positions or anything like that. It's because we get, re- we get promoted from the, from the championship. We bring in 11 players. and We have a manager who has got a system and we just kind of struggle to gel it together. And We've had a lot of injuries. Sheffield United were a complete contrast because they brought in very few players in August. And... They stuck to their system, and anyone that did bring in took to their system like a duck to water. Now, whoever was like, we're not going to go down the rabbit hole of Dean Smith out because he because he bought in players that didn't fit his system. We all know that that's not the truth. You can convince yourself it is the truth if you're listening there and you think Dean Smith bought these players, but it's almost 100% refutable that that is the case. The club have almost more or less admitted it that Suso has bought in all these players, but that's for a conversation for another day. But that the, the contrast within the two clubs, uh, I, I find is, is is quite amazing. The the lack of players that came into Sheffield United and the fact that they've rocketed up the league with a good system, and then our guys who brought in eleven players 
didn't really gel that well. And when we couldn't get consistency, I think we did gel together, but we couldn't get consistency. And, um, and you know, we're languishing towards the bottom of the league. But what are your feelings on, on the two teams, I suppose, from the outset, uh, Paddy? And what's, uh, what's your view on it? Yeah, well, I suppose the facts speak for themselves. We've only won seven games, which is the same amount of games that they've lost this season. You know, we're, we're polar opposites, I think, at, you know, 20 odd points behind them, um, or nearly 20 points behind them. They're, they're a good side, they're a good football inside. I wasn't expecting them to be as good as they were when, when they came up. I don't think anybody was, let's be honest. Um, whether that's sustainable for a few seasons, I don't know. But the, the, you know, the, the only one I'm worried about now is tomorrow they can do what they like after tomorrow, mm. <laughs> or maybe beat the teams around us if they have any. Um, but you know, if, you, if you're judging it on the game we played, it, it was it was it was a dour affair from what I remember. Um, they obviously dictated the possession. You know, all the stats would be higher, shots and goal, all that kind of stuff. So it's they're they're a better side than us. They 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 were earlier in the season, but you know this 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 break has changed everything. Um, I think we'll come back fresh. Um, you know, we, we obviously they'll have a, a clean bill of health. I don't think they've any injuries. We, we're looking at only Tom Heaton and Wesley with, with adequate adequate cover there, so we're not really bothered about that. Um, I'm 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 interested to see what what kind of team he puts out. I hope it's not defensive. I hope I hope he goes for it because you know the, these are cup finals here. Um, while a draw wouldn't be the end of the world, I think I think this is a game we've got a target that we can go and win. Um, and I expect to see an attacking impetus from the players. It's uh, I know it's going to be hard to get up for it behind closed doors. And if you look at the stats in Germany, uh, home advantage really means nothing. Mm. And and we we just got to wait and see what happens tomorrow. But uh, you know I do hope, and I know I said it on one of the previous podcasts that I can see this being like a game in the park. Um, two teams going hell for leather, and you know it, it could be four three like we've had against these guys last year. Um, I can see something like that happening again. I just hope it's not a cagey affair where we end up losing one deal and having a moral victory because the the only thing that matters tomorrow is points on the board. So mm. I hope he hope he goes for it. I hope I hope we uh, hope we have a great conversation tomorrow night or or Thursday with our hangover of. Uh, <laughs> of actually winning, winning, a, winning a game and getting well and truly out of the bottom three because you know it's so tight down there that one win gives you an awful lot of breeding breeding space. Yeah, just to kind of touch on the game that we did play them already this year, and it was the kind of John Fleck got two goals. Um, player that I've always kind of liked, uh, always like was prodigious player. I think he was referred to as the the Scottish Wayne Rooney, but. He's only really kind of recently began to fulfil his form. Um, got two goals against us, and and from memory, without looking back at those goals, I remember the second goal particularly was a real, real kind of hammer blow. We were with them up until half time, and it was nil all at half time. They came out, and we did our party trick of conceding within the first five minutes of either before a half or straight after a half. That is the Aston Villa party trick, um, and oh, it, and not just with Dean Smith's sides. It's been more or less for the majority of my, my tenure of being Aston Villa fan since, since the early 90s. It's been the way that we, when we can see goals, we seem to be a bit more susceptible than, to those than, than anybody else. And he scored on the 49th minute. And then we conceded again on, on the 73rd minute. But 
it was one of those days that was just a horrible day all around. We had no shots on target, so much so Jack even missed a penalty on the 79th minute. You know, it was just one of those days where, boy, nothing went right for Aston Villa Football Club. Um, it was around, I think, a time of the year as well where, boy, we, I could be, I'm open to, to correction on this, but I think that we could have been on a streak of maybe one or two games without even getting a shot on target. And there was a lot of murmurs of, of you know, of striker impotence and stuff like that. And, and were we creative enough? We were playing a 4-3-3 at that stage as well. Um, and I'm just not sure that this is kind of what's making me think that we may not go with a 4-3-3 um, for, for the game uh, coming up on Wednesday. But yeah, if, that, if anything, that game, going by that game from that we played them last uh, is uh, is not really a fair reflection of this Aston Villa team. And it's an interesting one as well, Paddy. Last time Sheffield United played in Villa Park in the Premier League against Aston Villa, I was there. It was, 2000 and, it was 2007 and Gabby Agbonlahor, Ashley Young and Patrick Berger scored in a 3-0 victory. And it was actually the game that uh, Randy Lerner gave out the the scarves with bright history pro, or proud history oh, nice. bright future scarves yeah yeah so I actually have one of them hanging up there behind me which um uh, on on the wall but uh, it, that was a great day the 1982 squad were there they were brought out before the game I think and at halftime and uh, I was in the lower hall and that was a fantastic game um you know Villa were were performed really really well that day. Uh, against a, um, a Sheffield United team that uh, it bears absolutely no resemblance to what they have to <laughs> what they have right now. But then again, saying that they were still a team of the same ideals, you know, they were good, hardworking players. You look down through this team that they have now: good, hardworking, situational, and uh, and system-based players. And 12, 13 years ago, they were the exact same team. I think they had John Stead up front. You know, they had these hardworking, um, industrious players, maybe not the most skillful in the world. And that's what you're going to get from Sheffield United. You know, that's their ethos. And it's, it's almost a club ethos, no matter who the manager is. Um, but coming up, I think, on, on, on Wednesday, there's going to be a couple of key battle areas, I think, for, for both Villa and for Sheffield United. And I suppose before we discuss those, I mentioned about the 4-3-3 and the 3-5-2 uh, formations. Which side do you come down on, Paddy, and what would be your favourite uh, your formation for this upcoming game? Well, I think that will be dictated in what Sheffield United do. And, you know, the past has suggested that they will pack the midfield, so... 4-3-3 is going to leave us with very little possession through the midfield. So I would imagine it might need to be tweaked a little bit, you know, with, you know, we may go 4-5-1 with obviously Jack and whoever's wide right joining the attack when we have the ball and, and working hard to get back when we lose the ball. So um, it'll be interesting. Um, you know, as you say, they're, they're just hard-working players. There's no, you know, with the exception of John Fleck, there's no flamboyance in there. There's no foreign imports as such, you know, that they've brought in for big money for, you know, for uh, wizardry. <laughs> they're, they're, they're good, honest to goodness players from the British Isles and a few, few Irish internationals in there. Um, I, I can see it being a 4-5-1 switching to a 4-3-3 when we have the ball, but... Um, it's it's going to be a it's going to be a game of chess for the first ten fifteen minutes just to see what way they what they look at but they you know they might come out and just sit deep and let us go at them and try hit us on the break but you just never know um, especially with such a break for so long um, 
what they've been working on for the last three or four weeks with their behind closed doors friendly. So I'm sure there'll be, uh, I'm sure Dean Smith will be on the phone to whoever they played in those, <laughs> those friendlies trying to find out what kind of system they had. You know, but they're, they're really good uh, players in there. You know, you mentioned Fleck, you can't see past them. Uh, Ollie Norwood uh, and even the two fullbacks of uh, Baldock and Stevens, very good players. Um, good, three good solid centre halves is what they they had been doing, and then probably up front is where probably where they're at their weakest. But um, when you when you've got when you've got the likes of Ollie Norwood and John Fleck chipping in with goals, you know who needs mm. <laughs> who needs good strikers. You know you got David McGoldrick there that'll hold up the ball and bring these guys into play. So um, I'd imagine we're going to have our work cut out for us. But, you know, hopefully we can get it off to a good start and get a, a good early goal and and uh, relieve the tension a little bit and hopefully we can push on and get the three points. But it'll be it'll be an interesting battle. It'll be interesting to see what what way he lines up. But uh, who are we to uh, <laughs> to make assumptions on that? Exactly, and and you know, I I flip flop between this game and whether it's going to be like I, I'm trying to find positives and I think I, I'm trying to be as analytical as I can with regards to this game whenever I'm thinking about it because obviously because I've had so much time to think about it you can convince yourself either way um, I've come down on the, on the side of the fence that uh, and we'll talk about how I would maybe set up the, the Villa team in a moment um, but it is an interesting piece that like if you stop George Baldock for them you really nullify an awful lot of their threat because he does he does untold work up and down that right hand side, um, and I'm just with that in mind with Jack, playing Jack out there and maybe starting McGinn. I don't think McGinn starts. I think maybe Jack plays in the plays in midfield and maybe they push Connor Hurrell out there, and um, and he maybe marshals that side and, and is a, a little less adventurous. But that that's something we'll talk about in a moment. I've come down the side for this Sheffield United team that. The big positive for them in their own minds is that they know the system they're playing and that they're used to it and it's been drilled into them over the course of almost three years with Chris Weiler. The biggest negative for them is that the system that they're playing has been drilled into them for three years over the course of, or, or by Chris Wilder. And what I mean, and, and, and why I think that it can be a negative as well as a positive is there's tons of tape on Sheffield United. When you have to prepare for one game and you can look at every minuscule morsel of tape of their of their games and don't fool yourselves, Dean Smith just wants to win this and then figure out what the hell is going to happen with the rest of the games. So if he's had six to eight weeks to look at that tape and if they're, they're such a systematic uh, system-reliant team that you can find wrinkles in their game. Now, whether we can, ex- whether we can execute the, the, the play to get, to get around those wrinkles is another thing. But the Premier League is a very fast game. It's very like things come at you thick and fast. You're playing a game every week, and you might only have two or three days to watch to watch tape on on um, on, on your opponents. Now, I would hope that they have a team of, of analysts that are watching that tape and coming up with, with stuff as well. If they don't, that's mind-boggling to me. But I think the specific um, game plan towards this will work. Also. I think that it's a negative for Sheffield United having a very having a, a, a the system that they do because it involves repetition week in week out and you'll know that when when you do anything and it's it's almost like it's almost from muscle memory and you're you're getting into positions due to repetition due to due to consistent um, almost subconsciousness. 
to keep that subconsciousness in your mind, you need to be doing it day in, day out. Now, they haven't had contact time with each other for the majority of this, this lockdown period. So if the game was stopped due to war or something like that, where they could have contact and train every day as normal, this wouldn't be a big issue. But for a team that relies on their system and relies on being in specific positions, players getting forward, you know, um, movement patterns and stuff like that, like this Sheffield United team does, it could be a hindrance, the fact that they've got, we've got Project Restart is is more or less rushing them um, and that they may be rusty and you know maybe a stage is that if any one cog in the wheel doesn't work that this system falls apart so we did, like the fact that this this is such a unique team within the Premier League whereby they don't have that sparkling star that can take the take the game by the scuff of the neck and and turn the game on its head like a Grealish can or maybe even if you look at other teams like a Harry Wilson can for Bournemouth or even like Timo Pukki can or Todd Cantwell or someone like that can for um or Buendia or whatever his name is for Norwich they don't have that that massive sparkle in the squad so they're so system based that it could come back to haunt them now I could be here crying into the microphone come yeah. 9 o'clock on, on Wednesday and, and look like an, an idiot but it is something like playing devil's advocate it is worth taking that into account that the, the systematic nature of their play could be a massive help for them or could be a huge hindrance considering the fact that they haven't had contact time with each other over the last uh, over the last three months yeah um, so I, I have to agree with a lot of what you said at least we, we do have you know, a system to look at. Um, my worry is that he's overthinking that for the last five or six weeks since since it's been announced that we'll be back. So um, let's have a look again and see, you know, what have, what, have, what have we got different from what we had back then. Obviously, Mings didn't play in the last game. We didn't have mm-hmm. Samata. Um, we didn't, we have John McGinn back, which is a big boost. Obviously, John did play in that game. Um, so there will be changes. We we won't have Tom Heaton. So the, you know there's going to be four or five changes in there from the last time we played them. So um, it will it will be interesting. I was interested in what you said there about playing Connor on the left. I think that might might be the way it will go. That they will play two wide midfielders as opposed to two wide strikers. And um, with them obviously getting on when we have the ball, as I said earlier. Um, maybe maybe even. Play Jack in behind Wesley. That's it. Uh, behind Samata. Yeah, uh, behind Samata. If he's playing behind Wesley, he'll be <laughs> in a different continent. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, yeah, so he, if Jack kind of has a free role, that will create a bit of space for some midfield because, uh, you, you know, they, they, they will be focusing on Jack because he's obviously our, our threat. So hopefully he can, uh, you know, <laughs> attract the attentions of, of, of Egan or Lundstrom or whatever, whoever it is that's in task with looking after him. So that, that will create a bit of space for, for the wide men to come into it. But look, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see and see what way the, the team is lined out. And it'll, it'll be very interesting text to see come in on our behalf before I, we kick off and see who we've got. Exactly, exactly. I, I think that... If they're going to play a four-five-one slash four-three-three, whatever, I'm, I'm, I would be huge, hugely coming down on the side of Grealish plays through the middle. Maybe don't start McGinn, have Nakamba and Louise hold back, and then I would play, I would play um, Elmo on the right, and I'd play Connor on the left, and I would almost uh, try and solidify that that area and make sure that Stevens and Baldock can't attack us down down the wings through there. Yeah. Um, 
play some Matt up front, almost even play Grealish as, you know, a second striker um, in that old kind of where Cesc Fabregas used to play for um, for Spain back in the almost a false nine. Obviously, we would have a nine up, front, up there with Samata, but almost uh, play a false nine behind him so he could roam around in there. Um, I think that that's, that's maybe something they would look at. Uh, the target could still bomb forward. Uh, Connor could still move into the center and create a three. There's lots of options there. I, I'm a big, I, I would be a fan of playing Elmo uh, right in the field anyway because of the fact that Gilbert is propensity to go forward. Uh, at, times I, at times I've been a bit, I won't say critical of him, I've just been a bit bewildered at his attacking sense in maybe lost causes. And I think that maybe for this game alone, I would play Elmo there. And if we need to change it and change, a change of pace would be really, really specific in this game, a really good, should I say, in this game. And being able to bring in a John McGinn, put him into midfield, move Jack out to the left, bring on El Ghazi instead of, uh, instead of El Mohamedy and put him out there. That really changes the pace in midfield for us. So if we keep it tight and we keep it strong and you keep it con- condensed in the middle of midfield with, with, uh, you know, people allow, that are there that will allow our fullbacks to bomb forward. This is if we play like a four-five-one-four-three-three 3 uh, formation. I think that's the smart play in this game. And then you have your, your pace players, you have your change of pace players that can come off the bench. Now, if we go to, if we go to the, 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 the five at the back or the three-five-two or whatever we've played recently, um, I think that we absolutely one million and ten percent have to play Grealish in the middle in that instance. Um, even if we do that, because having the way that it's gone recently, well, like Grealish has played there, but I would always be playing. I, I don't know where to play Grealish if we do that. Is what I'm trying to say. We have to play him in the middle, but I don't know where to play him yeah. because I think we have. I think that will the Keenan Davis and Smat up front. We will see that there is going to come a time where the two of those are going to have one of those games where everything goes right for them, and I think that will happen more often than not. Because I'm a huge Keenan Davis fan. I'm a huge fan of his of him from bringing the ball into play and his dribbling ability, um, and and his strength. You're going to need strength up against John Egan, up against O'Connell, probably Chris Basham if Lundstrom is back there. I, although I think he'll play in midfield, maybe he play kind of hold it, Monty. Yeah, I think you're going to need a bit of a battering ram because these guys like to get in amongst you. They like to get close to you. They like to grab you. They like to. They're they are your your Terry Butcher style, yeah, yeah. <laughs> old British centre halves, you know. So um, getting somebody in there that can do that. And and if we go back and we look at how Samata played against uh, against Vertonghen and um, I think it was Vertonghen and Sanchez for for Spurs when the game that we should have won. Samata was amazing getting in, getting around. Uh, getting around the back three and making them turn, making them getting comfortable and having to turn, look behind them, see where the, see where he is. He was running between players off their shoulders. And if you have that along with somebody who's taking one or two defenders in the air that are that just due to his brute strength, I think it could be a great partnership. My only thing is, I don't know where I would pre- predominantly want Jack to play in that, in that midfield if we are playing a five in there. Um, I don't know whether I would want him to be given that kind of that that role of playing between the two um the two D's on, on, on the box, you know, getting up and down there and taking the ball off his centre halves. I'm not quite sure I'm a big fan of that in this team, but uh I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? What are your thoughts on the formation? I spoke for ages there. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um well I suppose the easiest thing to say if I was picking the team, this would be a four four one one tomorrow. Yeah. Um I'd have Jack in behind Samata at the start. Um, whoever it be on the left, I can't imagine 
it would be well, it could be El Ghazi, could be Connor. Um, I think Connor will just give us a bit more defensively. Um, as you say, Elmo on the right. Uh, I don't want to go too defensive either, you know. <laughs> um, it's it, it's it's a minefield of what what we can do, and it'll be interesting because it'll give us it'll give us a, an insight of what's going to happen. You know, do do we stick with our own system and and hope for the best, or do we do we change it to suit who we're playing against? That and that's a six million dollar question. Mm-hmm. Um, I can see I could see arguments for him doing both, but I worry that we will get overrun in midfield as we did the last day with a three in midfield. So I hope he plays a four in midfield. A four four one one is probably the way I see it going. I can see him playing. Wesley and Davis to start with, as much as you know. Even when we picked our team of the last thirty-five years, it was a, uh, it was a four-four-two. <laughs> I think we're both in that school that we want a four-four-two. Um, I think we scored more goals if we have a four-four-two. But um, it's just a game to do it. Uh, probably not. Um, you know, we've got to ease our way back into this. So uh, I, I can see it being a four-four-one-one with with Jack. Uh, operating in behind Samata, um, I can't. I can't for the life of me seeing it be any other way. But who knows? This is Dean Smith. He's likely to do anything. So, you know, I think we just we just got to trust him on this one. Um, who do you play I, at centre? Who do you play at centre half? That's know? it. See, I like the I like the the five because the five at the back because it allows us to play three three centre halves and yeah. it allow especially when you've got Mings there it allows for the rick that one of our centre halves usually has uh, provided it isn't Mings that has it <laughs> and he has had one or two but um, playing him in the cent- in, in, in that's the centre of the three and having a like I'm, I'm I like all of our centre halves take out the like obviously Engel's moment of madness against Spurs take out that time that Courtney Hawes got turned take out maybe uh, Esri concept being dragged out of position uh, on the right hand side um, I like what I see from all of them I think that they all have something to offer I'm a big fan of concept probably more than most fans um, I would like to see him in the team I, I think Kansa Mings and, and Courtney Howes for me is a nice balanced back three might not be our best back three because I think Engels is probably a better defender than Kansa mm-hmm. uh, but he just isn't mobile enough to play in a back three so to answer your question in a roundabout way if it's a back four we have Engels and Mings provided that if we're playing a back four I'd, I'd actually go against what I said previously and I will put uh, Elmo at right back and Gilbert at right midfield um, just to offer that protection to Engels because he, he his movement is is good but it's not great to get out to the wings. It's not Mings. It's not like Mings, and that for, that's why I, I kind of prefer Kanza there. But if it's a back four, Engels and Mings. If it's a back three, I would like to play Kanza, Mings, and, and House because I I think that I think it's uh, it's just a nice balanced back three uh, and, and it gives you kind of a small bit of everything. Yeah. Um, I have to say, I'm a fan of Engels. I know he, he yeah. had us. <clears throat> and it, it's probably unfair that you pull him up on the one mistake, considering the amount oh. of brain farts that uh, Mings is likely to have. So yeah. um, let's not forget about that either. Um, I think from from the first time I saw Engels, you know, he's very he's a larger than life character. He's very good in the air. Mm. Um, he's, he's an old fashioned centre half, for the want of a better. Uh, <laughs> Uh, description of him, um, you know, I'd have, I'd have him in there with Mings. I think that would be my 
uh, thinking on it. I might, I might even play Elmo, depending on what he depending on the system. I would pick Elmo ahead of Gilbert. Um, I think he's a better defender. Um, I don't, I don't think he'll tinker with left back. I think it'll be Matt Target all day long. Um, decision to make now a goalkeeper as well. Does he does he continue with Reina or does he continue with with Nyland, Considering Nyland is our player, mm-hmm. I would probably go with Nyland. Um, I think he's been quite good this year. I don't think we can argue with, you know, he has has his moments in the past, but I think he's been he's been good for us this year. And there's no point in, uh, in in playing Reina if if we if we have him there to do an equally good job. Yeah, I when I was speaking to the guys in the whole cast uh, earlier on in the week, I I, I kind of mulled over this and we mulled over this and that as well about Reina and, and Nyland. Reina's the better goalkeeper, but uh, I I the biggest thing that kind of got me was that at 38, 37, 38, 39, whatever age he is, the mistakes he's had have been concentration laps. It's not been a physical fault thing that he's had whereby he's been slow off the mark to come out for a ball or he hasn't been able to get through a forest of players because he didn't have the strength to push through and to punch a ball that was coming in the air. It hasn't been anything like that. It's been concentration laps. His distribution is brilliant. His distribution is fantastic um, with the ball at his feet. Uh, I think Smith goes with Reina. I think he does. Yeah. Um, I, myself, to be honest with you, realistically, it's not going to be a game breaker for me. If I see an island on the, on the team sheet, I'm not going to be spitting fire. Um, if I see Reina on it, I'm not going to be spitting fire. Um, I, I've, I've kind of had a, a small bit of a change of hearts. And I, I did say an island and, and, and the whole cast. Uh, and I do think that that is my, my preferred choice. But... Um, for me, I'm not really, I'm not really bothered which one of the two starts. Yeah. I just don't, th- I don't think the Jed Steer will start. Um, I think, no. but I, uh, for me, it's much of a muchness, and I think maybe the calming influence and and the, I suppose Reina being Reina having that more experience, uh, if he's gotten his head right, maybe the and look, he had COVID nineteen, you know, so he's been through the rigors of it. Who's to say that he wasn't suffering with that for? a week or two prior to or three or four prior <laughs> yeah. to it it's unlikely I know obviously it's unlikely but um, you know maybe that's focused his mind and now when we have our backs to the wall and we've had so much to think about it that he could come out and be the leader that he's always been in his career yeah. he's always been a leader of a goalkeeper you know everybody speaks speaks very very highly of him he's a really intelligent guy so I think we'll see rain and goals um, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying if he is it will be the end of the world I just think that we need we need to we need to bring Nyland on now or, or ship him yeah. out. Yeah. And that's why I'm saying I would prefer that it's Nyland. If it is Reina, um you know, he hasn't done a whole pile wrong. Obviously he's had a, a couple of errors. Um the one thing I do like about him is with, with ball in hand, he turns the fence into attack mm. very quickly. Um his distribution from hand, be it a, a quick uh kick out or or a a ball the ball out to, to to midfield very quickly can can turn things you know just just as quick as uh as clearing a corner you know and it, and it's 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 much of a muchness really but my motivation is you know Nyland's our player if if he's going if he's going to be one for the future let's bring him on let, let him play the games um have faith in him i think he's good enough but uh, it's not the end of the world if Reina plays. But I think yeah. I think I think it hurts. It will hurt Nyland's confidence, um, and 
you know, will probably signal the end of his career for us if if in, if in these running games that Reina is there and not him. Mm, yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair as well. So looking at the game, um, like as you say, there's a couple. There's obviously positives for Villa um, with regards to this. We've got John McGinn back. You know, he's been almost what? Well, he's been out six months. He's think got injured. It, injured it just over the Christmas period. Um, rare and goal by all accounts. Um, think did he score a goal against Leicester? Uh, I think there was there was murmurings that that he did. Possibly, um, yeah. Seem to seems to be fitting. We know what he does to his team, and he makes it tick. Whether he starts or not, once again, it's not going to be a game breaker for me. I, if he doesn't start, I can completely understand why, because of obviously the nature of his injury, and second of all, um, you know you don't want to force him back and lose him for ten games. So that's fine in in that instance as well. And I think that that he's going to be. Um, I I think that definitely he will have a say in this game one way or another, whether he does start or whether he does come on. And remember, as I was mentioning with my change of. Uh, um, with my change of pace players, he would definitely be with five substitutes. We might see Dean Smith make three substitutes for once. <laughs> you know, it could be something. But if you could bring on McGinn, and maybe you could bring on um, Amaral Gazi, uh, and maybe even you could look at bringing in uh, Trezeguet as well. You know, there's a change yeah. of pace. I think my my tip for the player that's going to come out and going to going to we're going to see something different from him in a better in a better aspect over the last ten games. Is going to be Trezeguet. Um I just think that he's a talented player, and he he does he does things that are conducive to the Premier League. And uh, maybe you know the break has uh, has allowed him to, to to maybe work on certain areas and so on. You just don't know what you're going to get from players, but I think his he he would be somebody that we could see. May not be starting every game, but I think that we could see um, some contributions to him from him definitely coming off the bench. And that's yeah. what we need. We need our 16 player, four, 14, 15, 16, 17 player in the squad to step up yeah. a level or two. Um, regards to Trezeguet, I've said many times. I think he needs a run of games. Um, maybe in the good weather, this is the time to give him a good run of games <laughs> when he's yeah. when he's not when he's playing in his uh, his normal habitat of of warm weather. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, I don't think McGinn will start. Reading between the lines and what what was said in in the news conference yesterday, um, so you can see him being sprung from the bench. I think the the substitutes it's a little bit complicated, isn't it? You can make one and then. You've got to do the others two at a time, is that correct? You can't make five individual substitutes. News to me. I don't know. I didn't I didn't yeah. see that. Uh, um, could be right. I suppose I suppose we'll learn more tomorrow, but I, I think I think that's what I read. So uh, or maybe your your last substitution has to be has to be two or you don't get your fifth one, something like that. So uh it will it will be interesting to see, you know, what what, what we can get off the bench with five substitutions because you can change your whole approach to a game by making the subs- by making three, let alone five. So, so let's see. You know, this is one of the games where I'm not overly worried about the fact that uh, they they can spring five from the bench. It's it's when you get into the big squads against Chelsea. Like the Chelsea. Yeah. You know, I I think there's an unfair advantage there. That you know, our, our squad is kind of is 14 or 15 players. Um. And and they've got thirty odd players that they can call upon, you know. To well, what's a twenty five Premier League? That's your squad, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So um, it'll be interesting to see what way the substitutions affect the games. 
didn't seem to, you know, not that I was that much interested in the Bundesliga, but it didn't seem a big deal there. Um, it'd be interesting to see how the home advantage, if there's any, you know, I suppose the number one advantage is you're sleeping in your home bed. You're 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 not traveling mm. too far to games. Um, a lot a lot to consider with the with the way this is is being reopened. So, um, nice to have the first game at home for that reason alone. Um, so f- fingers crossed we can, like I mean, we could really do with the three points tomorrow. I mm. think it, I think it's it's a perfect springboard to what for what's to come. If if we get three points tomorrow, we're, we're two or three places outside the bottom three. There's an awful lot of people with more pressure on them coming into the weekend. Yeah, and uh, fingers crossed. And that's that's a you know the less pressure this team has on it, the more likely it is to succeed. Considering the youthful nature and the fact that these guys haven't been together all year, um, I think the less pressure that we can we can take, the more pressure we can take off ourselves in the early few games of the, of, of this return, and um, the better it will be. Because uh, you don't want to be chasing things towards the last few games when your fitness maybe isn't isn't up to the scratch that it normally would be. And now, yes, now considering everybody is fresh, you know we don't know what way that's going to go. But there are a lot of intangibles that we can't really mitigate for because we don't have any point of reference for them. You know, in the, by the end of the season, a um, couple of bit of bits and pieces here, statistics on the game as well. Um, Sheffield United uh, there's, have scored sorry there's been under two and a half goals scored in 11 of Sheffield United's uh, last 12 games so if anybody is looking to put a bet on that might be one <laughs> under two and a half goals I personally think it's going to be 2-1 to Villa so if if what I want to come true comes true it's going to, going to smash your, your bet um, and it'll blow it up it'll blow it up into the air Villa have been losing at both half time and full time in their last four Premier League matches that's an absolutely damning stat you know, losing at about half time and full time in uh, their last four uh, matches. So, if anything, this break will have broken that horrible, horrible, horrible streak. Um, Villa, we, there's been over two and a half goals in their last four games against Sheffield United in all competitions. And I suppose we will. Um, uh, that isn't right. Sorry, last four home matches. Apologies. So whenever we played at, played Villa Park, um, there are goals, and and we can remember the three two draw last year. Uh, Andre Green, um, Andre Green, now back with the club, I think. So uh, I think I think he's back, and I think Callum O'Hare is back. Actually, maybe Andre Green isn't back, but Callum O'Hare is back, and uh, and a couple of more of those players uh, are back as well. Um, there have been over two and a half goals scored in five of Aston Villa's last six home games. So. Um, you know, maybe trying to keep it tight would be good for us because obviously the more goals we can see, the less likely we are to win. Uh, that's that that mightn't be news to people. I hope that isn't news to people. With the less goals you you can see, the more likely you are to win. Um, and Sheffield United have scored at least two goals in five of their last six matches against Aston Villa in all competitions. So. You know, uh, the smart money for me here would be a Villa win, but also to concede. Um, and that's why I'm going to go with a 2-1 prediction for this game. And I think Samata will get both goals. Um, that's what I'm hoping for anyway. Paddy, what way do you see this game panning out? I see there being more goals. I think I think we'll open up with the substitutions. So I'm going to go for a 3-2 win. Go for a 3-2 win to, to who? To us. <laughs> to us. Okay. We just wanted just wanted your allegiance on tape. That's all we wanted there. Uh, I can see I, I can see a, a, one of our famous last minute maybe Trezeguet coming off the bench. Oh, like he did it. like he did in the semi final. 
And Jesus, uh, that'd be fantastic. Yeah, that would be the um, that that's my prediction. So Matt over the first two and Trezeguet off the bench to to uh, to wrap it up. Yeah, absolutely. I'm 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 happy with that. I think we need to score goals. We need to go into the go into games uh, as well, especially games against the middling teams, knowing that we need to score goals because our goal difference yeah. isn't great. Um, you know, four 0 against Leicester, and there was a couple of games there where, where we shipped, uh, you know, a lot of goals. So, mm. uh, getting our goal difference up as well. But listen, take the points first. Worry, we won't have to worry about goal difference if we keep getting those three points. But <laughs> exactly. um, yeah, like I I'm, think this is this is probably the strangest um, pre-match talk we'll we'll have because we've absolutely nothing to go by on both teams with the games being played behind closed doors. Mm. We just haven't a clue how this is gonna how this is gonna line up. So. Uh, no. <laughs> You're right. It's funny. It's the most prep work I've done for any preview game, preview of any game, <laughs> and we've had the least to look at to prepare for it. But, exactly. Yeah. You know, it's it's been one of those ones where by, you know, you've just looked at statistics, trends, and analy- analytics. You know, as you go back through the years and go, sorry, go back through the year with Sheffield United, and that's all you can really come up with, mm. um, because uh, form is out the window. Form resets to zero, and that's a good thing for us, and it may be a negative for. Um, Maybe a negative for, uh, for for Sheffield United, but we'll we'll know in roughly about thirty six ish hours um, as to whether we whether we've been right or whether we've been uh, falling down the the claret and blue tinted glasses uh, rabbit hole again of thinking that everything is rosy in the garden. Um, Paddy. Stay safe. Uh, I hope you enjoy it on Wednesday night and I hope we get the result, obviously, the both of us are looking for. Um, before we finish up there, guys, I just want to say to everybody, uh, thanks so much for listening to the podcast. Um, you can find us on at Mac for the love of. That's at M-C-F-O-R-T-H-E-L-O-V-E-O-F. I'm looking at changing that because it doesn't really make any sense. Roll, yeah. It doesn't roll off the tongue. So I'm looking at changing that. But for the moment, if you just search for the love of Paul McGrath um, on uh, Twitter, you will find us there. Uh, also, you can find Paddy on at Villa, Villa Paddy as well. You can find us on any social media by just looking for, for the love of Paul McGrath podcast. Um, football and is one, nearly one, back. one final thing for those Sorry, considering yes. going along to the stadium tomorrow. Please. Don't. Please stay away. It's it's not worth it. It's not it's yeah. not worth our, our good club setting a precedent by turning up for a behind closed door game. It's it's wrong. It's it's against the rules of of, of your uh, restrictions. So stay away. Watch it at home. Cheer them on best you can. Stay positive and and get behind them on social media. And, and that's yeah. all we can do from our it's end. It's not worth it's not worth the Instagram Instagram post or the YouTube video or it's not worth it. Uh, the world's media are going to have their eyes on Villa Park. And I know for some of you, you won't give a shit about this, but the world's media are going to have their eyes on Villa Park tomorrow. Um, I have mates in the States. They're looking forward to watching this game. I've got mates in Australia. You know, they, they consider this as proper football is back uh, on Wednesday. And to have a group of 50, 60, 70 people outside the stadium when it's blatant that they shouldn't be there, who cares about any protests that have been going on previously? Um, that, is, that shouldn't be a, a reason why, you, why people should show up. Exactly. Um, and regardless of what way the result turns out exactly. tomorrow, it'll be them that makes the headlines and it'll be wrong on so many levels. Of course. And because there's no other games going on, the focus will be on Villa being, a, look at Villa being the Yabish club or whatever. And we know that's not the case. We know we've got passionate fans and this is not to say that you can't be a passionate fan, but we know we've got passionate fans, but it, it's just a case of 
first game back, best behaviour, and see where the league takes us after that. It could be distraction to the players inside on the field as much as anything else as well, because the club are going to be in a tizzy over having a group of people demonstrating outside or remonstrating or, or gathering outside the, outside the stadium as well. Um, so all that kind of panicky effect could trickle down to the players. So while you may think you're doing really good cheering on the players from outside, when you're not supposed to be doing it and it puts the club in a tizzy, it may have a negative effect. But please be the best, be absolutely the best fan you can. Nobody's stopping you from being passionate about your club. And, uh, you know, just wish for those three points. Uh, so thanks everybody as I say forever for always always as always for listening. Thanks a million, Paddy, for popping on. And all that's left to say is get a nice easy, get a nice early night's sleep tonight and up the villa. <laughs> up the villa. That's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.